All right, here we go. All right, guys, thank you for joining me here on NerdGab podcast number two. As always, I'm your host, Anil, and today I have Luke and Chamath joining me. Uh, these are two of my closest friends, as well as my colleagues and brothers that work with me during the age-old times of Blockbuster Video. And uh, for any listeners tuning in, just wanted to let you guys know that there will be some spoiler content, so please beware. Luke, Chamath, you guys want to say hello? Hello. Excelsior. <laughs> That's hey, this, is a, this is a Stanley free chat here. Oh, you know what? We gotta we gotta pay pay homage. Yeah, we do. I mean, without Big him, Stan. we wouldn't be here today. That's thank you, Big Stan. Because yeah. think about it. There's two icons, right? There's Stan Lee and uh, Howard Stern, Jack Kirby. <laughs> Not taking throwing Jack Kirby in there. Howard Stern. I guess. Howard Stern, yeah. Stan Lee, Howard Stern. You put those two together, and everything that they've spoken about gives you math. <laughs> well, so, no one's going to argue that. Later on, later on in the show, we talk about origins, but uh, I think Jamath just gave us his origin story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so for those, uh, for those listeners that are joining me again, thank you for joining in. Uh, today's topic, again, just because the topic is so hot right now, is uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker or Todd Phillips's Joker, depending on how you look at that. And uh, myself, I'm just coming from the theater after seeing it for the second time. I'm literally trying to get popcorn out of my teeth. Luke, I know you've seen it. And Chamath, I know you're going to finish watching it when you get a chance. That's right. You know, life of a father. Mm. (laughs) You got to watch movies in parts. (laughs) I appreciate you guys taking the time to join me. So, Luke, one thing you and I were talking about, or one thing I know you have a lot of thought on here is... uh, is this this movie and previous iterations of the Joker and his representation as the hero? Mm-hmm. So, can why I? Don't you dive in? So, I'm going to do the a little bit of a preamble beforehand because sure. when I finished watching not the Joker, Joker, um, so there was the scene at the end where he's walking out. And there's a trail of blood off his shoes, and then he gets chased around by an orderly and whatnot. That image is blazoned in my head as I put in my headphones and press play, and Tony Bennett's put on a happy face comes on immediately. Just completely random on shuffle from my playlist. That was it was trippy. That was amazing. So yeah, the Joaquin, Joaquin, oh gosh, how are we saying his name? Joaquin. Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix uh, is the protagonist. The protagonist is generally considered a hero. In the last one, you and David talked a whole great deal about um, his portrayal and the focus of it on Joaquin's performance, and absolutely true. So, Something that threw me back, and this also happened to coincide with something I watched on YouTube from Film Theory. I did not come up with this. This came from Film Theory. And that was protagonist Hero. And he. So I've watched The Dark Knight 118 times. We know this. And something. There's always been something that's kind of off with The Dark Knight, and I haven't been able to figure it out. 
And then when I watched that video, it kind of went, oh, that's what. So in Batman Begins, Raza, Ra's al Ghul, Raz al Ghul, whatever, that um, they have to purge Gotham and basically put a reset because and awful and everything and that was the point that's what bruce wants to do for gotham as well you know who does that the joker he's the one that gets all of the all of the monsters off the streets he's the one saves gotham's soul he's the one that gets rid of the need for a batman he's the one that invokes and acts through all of his actions uh they're utilitarian in nature that he doesn't care who he's killing along the way to get to that end result. And I, I'm, I'm doing no justice to uh, film theories why the Joker is actually the hero. Uh, but it really threw me for a loop. So, so in, in layman's terms, you're saying that the Joker is DC's Punisher. Mm. Punisher is... He takes it one criminal at a time. Punisher is more is just Batman who kills. Batman deals with the one criminal at a time. This is the case, the mission that I'm going to like go through everybody. Whereas the Joker was playing... Oh, I don't know, five-dimensional chess from Star Trek, you know? Is that... is four-dimensional chess, right? I thought it was three-dimensional, but that, that's just because I'm a simpleton. <laughs> <laughs> well, so he's manipulating the mob. He's manipulating Batman. He's manipulating the cops. He's manipulating the media. He's manipulating everything in that movie in order to save Gotham, essentially, which is crazy. Yeah. And... After so he was that. he was pretty much playing a zero sum. He's playing a zero sum game. Is that what you just yeah. said? He no, he played all the sides together to come to a point where it was just you know it's a reset, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Everyone kind of just did in everybody, and he he also was a casualty of his own plan. There was just kind nothing of. left, right? Kind of. So the idea, everyone says that he's an agent of chaos. That's not the case. He's a, he, he becomes an agent of order because at the end of all of his actions, he has given order to the entire city and gotten rid of the uh, vigilante cop who is ca- uh, the vigilante who is causing other people to be inspired to be vigilantes and then upping the game of uh, escalation of um, the criminals in Gotham. So they're bringing dogs and people are wearing hockey hats. I did the Batman voice there for a second. Yeah, that, that, <clears throat> that cut out completely there. I didn't. Uh, so one thing I'll probably just mention for the listeners, uh, we are struggling a little bit with the, the technicalities of the uh, capabilities of this uh, recording app. So while it is uh, an easy thing for us to join on and record it's not the greatest thing for the quality so we appreciate your patience through it um luke what i will say is um, i did watch that video by film theory and i have to disagree with some of the points just because he factors in quite a few things 
um, that the Joker does. And yeah, he does kind of retell you, um, you know, some of the events that happened and they kind of, you can, it's, it's fun to kind of look at it from that perspective. But one of the things that I thought he didn't really factor in was the fact that he was trying to manipulate Gotham and the, you know, players of the event. So we'll say the mob, we'll say uh, Batman, we'll say the police, but he couldn't account for a hundred percent of what their reactions or their actions would have been. So I think he's right up until a point, which is the fact that, yes, the Joker does sort of um, win in the sense that for eight years after the fact, this sort of harmony exists or what we think is, you know, not extreme uh, crime exists in Gotham because of the actions of, of, of the events that happen in the Dark Knight. But at the same time um he could not account for gotham having a soul and not choosing to blow the boats up for example so that's why he came prepared for that eventuality so i think even though the outcome was positive i don't think necessarily that was his overall mission and I think what he was trying to elicit was more the fact that he can win more souls of Gotham through acts of chaos than the opposing team, which is Dent and Batman and Gordon, can in doing things, you know, by systemic structure, by doing things within a system that allows them to do good. I think he was trying to show that he can actually win went over the the ideology which i think joaquin phoenix's joker at the end of this movie kind of does yeah i think you're right like i i find i found like watching just the first i guess uh 40 minutes of the movie so far uh it it, it hits on that quite a bit in, in that showing you and kind of highlighting to the audience that the system is broken and constantly introducing characters that agree with that kind of sentiment that Joaquin's character, uh, Joaquin's Joker, uh, Arthur has about that same system that it's failed him and people are reassuring him that that system is broken. So I think you're absolutely right that you can see that clearly in both movies. I would like yeah, to so I- put, put forward one thing. Would that not be just to back to the Dark Knight because it is my favorite movie of all time? Uh, would that not be the biggest joke? Like, look what I I could do this better than all of you. You just have your stupid, your silly little rules, and look when there's no rules, it works better. Oh, absolutely, because yeah, absolutely, and I think that was sort of the the punchline for that movie was that if he had succeeded in winning the soul for Gotham by corrupting he did. he did that's what I'm saying is that he wa- he wanted to win the soul using his methods showing Batman that Batman's wrong in his methods uh-huh. I got you Batman yeah and and I think where he wins is the fact that he pushes um, he pushes Christian Bale's Batman to break the rule um even though it kind of happens accident, yeah. Even though it kind of happens accidentally, and it's not exactly 
wasn't exactly his intent. Uh, um, I see what you did there. Accident, Ali. Uh, <laughs> it's a play on words, guys. We're not a. We're here. <laughs> but we did want to like go to the Joker. Um. Also, what just happened there? You cut out there for a second. Like, Sorry, I did want to go to um, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker because that is the, like the dregs of it, and that's society spitting out an awful, like, just off. My gosh, what a rough movie to watch! Yeah, and a mile away. That's actually. Rough- yeah, thanks for bringing that up because I actually wanted to mention that um, some people ask me, you know, what are my thoughts or impressions from this movie, and I thought. The first thing I can say was it's not a very comfortable movie to watch. Um, it has a lot of awkward scenes, a lot of tense scenes. Um, you know, just even even the way things are happening and unfolding make you feel very uncomfortable, um, and it kind of puts you in a mindset of like I can see where this is going to go for this guy. Like he's not right, and the 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 world that they create in the Todd Phillips' Joker kind of leads you to believe that this is one guy of many that are experiencing or going through this societal angst, let's call it. And in The Dark Knight, we kind of get the sense that this is one guy. Like, one guy that just kind of went off the deep end. So, and he kind of doesn't fit in in this world. He's, He's the outcast. But with Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, I kind of got the sense that, you know, there's a bunch of others like him, but he's the one that's pushing it. He's the one that's fueling it and getting to the point where the rest of them may arrive. And you got that off your second viewing. Yeah, Yeah, that was I'm just coming out of it. uh, Literally about an hour ago, I got home and I was just thinking about how this movie differs from from the versions that we've seen in previous movies. And it seems to me like this is probably the more successful telling of this story. But uh, I know, I know a lot of people are going to, you know, have their, their opinions about who they thought did it better. I I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that this was the most successful telling of this story. I think this is the first time we're really getting this story, right? Like we were, uh, Heath's, Heath's Joker. We were given multiple origins from from Heath's character. Uh, Batman One. Uh, what was it? Who who played the Joker in that? Come on, guys, help me out here. Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. We didn't really get an origin story from Jack. We did. We kind of did. So yeah. I mean, he, not really. It was like he fell into a vat of chemicals and he came out and he was the Joker. Well, yeah. we have the whole. Yeah, we kind of. I spoke about this on our first um, first show there, where they kind of show you that he was a gangster. He was yeah. climbing the ranks, and you know his his boss decided to you know basically disown him and uh, push him off the deep end. But um, that kind of leads me into one thing here. So we were talking about origins, and we know now Chamath's origin is a mix of uh, Stanley and, and Howard Stern. But in uh, in 
in the Heath Ledger or let's say the Dark Knight, there's an absence of backstory because we have so much um, false information, let's call it. We don't know what he says is true or what can be, what part of it's real, what part of it's not. And with Nicholson's, we get a little bit of a backstory, although it's not the one that's probably the fan favorite. And then with Jared Leto, we get a little bit of an origin story, but it's tied with him and Harley Quinn. Can I say that he was the most forgettable Batman or Joker? I I completely he forgot he even played Batman. it. Dude, I, I completely forgot that he played the Joker until you just mentioned it now. I was thinking, wait, there was one more, but who was it? That was by far the most forgettable. Like, I will never remember him as the Joker. Isn't it? Isn't it unfortunate though that there was that a, he got I, it tattooed like on himself? I think that's very unfortunate for him. Did he actually? Did, didn't he get like a tattoo of the Joker card or something on on his body? I don't know. It was he. He thought far too far, way too far in advance that, of what his career was going to be as the Joker. I don't know. I, I we're, we're still finding out like little tidbits of stuff about that movie that you know could have been, but yeah. But know. you know what was great that came out of that movie, and I'm so thankful for it is pur- purple Lamborghinis. Uh, <laughs> if it wasn't for that movie, <laughs> if it wasn't for that movie, we'd never have a purple Lamborghini. That's that's wonderful. Oh my goodness. I think Chimap got cut off there mid-sentence. I hope he's still on. But uh, yeah, no, definitely one of the more forgettable, I would say, just because we didn't really get a whole lot from him uh, would be Jared Leto's Joker, unfortunately. But um, there is still a little bit of a backstory there, a little bit of an origin. Um, But of course, we get a whole movie dedicated to the Joker's origin in um, Todd Phillips' movie. Um, So... How do you feel? How do you feel about that? The two differences: one with an origin, and one without an origin. The one I'm going to say: the one with an origin produced the scariest moment of all Jokers. And yeah, I agree. Yeah, that was the for me. The moment was um, him going to Wayne Manor. Making Bruce smile. Yeah. Oh, I can't. I can't oh. wait to see that. That sounds. <laughs> that sounds. That sounds chilling. It really is and was. Oh my gosh. See, it's the funny thing. So in in film, uh, or at least in in screenwriting, when I was learning it, they basically said, you know, the less the less of your villain the audience knows the more mysterious and the scarier they are which in which in yeah Blair Witch um, which in Chris Nolan's um, Dark Knight we knew very little about Heath Ledger's Joker and I think that was part of the um, you know let's call it an infatuation with the character during the hype and the craze of that time um, because of the fact that we couldn't really understand where he was coming from. All we knew about him was that he's he's a crazy guy. He's here to s- sort of mess things up and throw throw a wrench in the system. And we can kind of imagine there is a backstory there. We can imagine that um, you know he had a terrible past that brought him to this point. But then 
with Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, we get exposed to what that is. So the imagination part is taken away and then we're thrown into this realism. And for me, it was very uncomfortable because for one, it, it changed what I understand about the Joker, which is this guy that kind of just went off the deep end. He, he had like a series of unfortunate events and becomes the Joker from, you know, just pa- bad experiences. In this movie, we get thrown into just cases of realism, things that happen to people every day that we kind of don't get exposed to because we're not, you know, stuff like that hasn't happened to me, but I'm sure someone has experienced, you know, bad childhood. Someone has mm-hmm. experienced abusive uh, parents or you know, just uh, the worst luck possible, just trying to function in society. So by re- making it real, it actually turned the character into kind of a sympathetic um, character for me. And I can kind of see or empathize where he's coming from. But then they kind of try to make sure that you don't associate too much with that because they say to, to you that, you know, when he says he kills those guys on the train, and he thinks it's funny at that moment we're supposed to be reminded that yeah that was bad like he shouldn't have killed those guys like yeah they were dicks but it's still wrong to kill those people what do you guys think on that Jamath you first I mean I I guess it's like it's a question of uh, perception right like we're, we're how you come up in life is how you're gonna view that view view that scene as whether it was uh, whether it was evil or whether he was defending himself. Like this this guy was obviously like getting beat, beaten down. Like there was he's already been here before uh, when it was like little kids beating on him. Now it's adults. What do you do in his position? Before he didn't have a weapon, now you've given now you've given him a weapon. But I think uh, what came out of that was he found himself as as terrible as it sounds. Like at the start of the movie, he seemed kind of lost. He he was kind of trying to manage this disability that he had, uh, this nervous laughter that he was dealing with. And in that moment, when he took out those first two guys, he became something else. I, I would almost say we we saw Arthur leave the movie and we saw the Joker take over at that scene. Can I jump uh, in there for a second? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, in contrast to the rest of the movie, whenever he kills someone, just this mask of serenity comes over him. And that's a good part of... A feather in his cap for making that acting choice. Like he looks just not elated, but just at peace whenever he kills somebody. Just like ah, like the, when he kills the big guy, just ah. yeah, and he touches, yeah, and yeah. Uh, he, uh, I think there was a scene where he was talking to the. Um, I guess what what was she a counselor a psychiatrist somebody who was just taking notes wasn't really helping him yeah. Um, yeah. and and he says something in that scene he's like uh, oh uh, something like nobody noticed him before and now people are slowly start starting to notice him 
Yes. And it was kind of like, you know, he's this he's this person who walked through life as an invisible person. Nobody really paid attention to him. But now, you know, now you got the news talking about him. He's he's found a purpose almost. Mm-hmm. And it's uh I I guess it, it kind of you know, when when somebody in that kind of fragile mental state goes through something like that and they, this is exactly what what would happen right like i don't know about you guys but i thought i thought uh the dark knight and heath ledger's joker was a joker that could definitely happen in society but like watching this this is far more real like this is something that could happen in uh in our universe as opposed to the multiverse that houses the dc dc universe yeah, th- that's 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 what's that's what's that's what's scary and exactly the the social commentary guys like you know me i i mean uh, all jokes aside i love social commentary in movies and this was all, completely about what's going on in today's day and age oh yeah uh oh, yeah. yeah like the oppression the 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 system that's broken that's working for the rich that's not helping the poor the poor having to scrounge for everything feel that them feeling like they're voices aren't being heard they're they're you know and that they live under a generation that believes that there's going to be this white knight that's going to come save them but there is no white knight and, and like we're seeing it we're seeing we're seeing it with the violence in toronto today right like this is the <laughs> it's as crazy as it is man like this this movie makes you think like shit can get really messed up mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. One thing, uh, another thing I wanted to kind of say too here is, Luke, you and I were having this this debate, and I think uh, film theory mentions it too, and it's something that I wanted to kind of ask, and if the listeners are still listening, is, you know, is Batman the cure, or is he the, is he the one that's going to save Gotham, or does he actually breed the villains that, that, that come out of Gotham, or is it Gotham that breeds the villains? In Joker, it's Gotham that produces the villain. Uh, In the Dark Knight, in the Nolan trilogy, it is the opposite. And in every other iteration, uh, it's Gotham producing the villains, I would think. Mm. That would include comics and whatnot, but in the Nolan trilogy, I think it is... Uh, well, then again, the League of Shadows was trying to do a reset on Gotham, and that's Batman Begins. So, is Gotham breeding? It is Gotham breeding the villains. But it starts off with in the Nolan trilogy as just mobsters and whatnot, and then the Joker solves all the problems, and then Talia comes in and is like, "You killed my dad." Uh. <laughs> you know, you get. I love that movie. Do you? That, thank God for that movie. Uh, does sarcasm pick up on audio? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All your eyes for I'm telling. I'm telling you, man. Like th- this Joker movie does what that third uh, Chris Nolan. And I don't even want to consider that a Nolan movie, but whatever that crap was that we watched back in the days. You're gonna uh, change your mind on it, just like you changed your mind on Man of Steel. Absolutely not. Um, Man of Steel, I only changed my mind because I am convinced that that movie was setting up for injustice. And uh, 
I, when you watch it thinking that, that is a great fucking movie. Uh, too bad we didn't get to see it come. It's too bad we didn't get to see it come to fruition. But that that was. Uh, Snyder Cut exists, guys. <laughs> <laughs> One day. But like, can can we talk about the best? How Joaquin's uh, Joker kind of measures up to the best Joker of all time? Since we're at it, uh, Caesar Romero. Uh, I mean, everyone's comparing him to everyone, uh, all these other Jokers. But I mean, where's the love for Caesar, man? Uh, uh, it's in nineteen sixty-six. <laughs> well, the thing, my my thing with Caesar is that I could never take him seriously because he was more of a prankster than he was, uh, you know, a ruthless villain. Even though at the time that was probably pretty bad, but when I watch it now in today's context, I can't see it being more than yeah, this guy's just a he's a wacky dude. <laughs> I mean, there's uh, a few days ago I seen this clip on YouTube of Caesar, uh, Caesar's Joker, and. Uh, Alfred having a fucking sword fight in the middle of Wayne Manor and, and, and his Joker just runs away. He just smacks Alfred on the thigh and runs into the Batcave. Yep. And that and that was villainy at its finest and you know, whatever that uh series came out. But uh, let's uh, oh my gosh. But like let's it, compare it, something it, uh it's gotten Go consistently darker, right? Like, I mean, if we look at it, every iteration of the Joker has gotten darker and darker. The question is, oh, yeah. can they can they go darker than what we've seen here with Joaquin's Joker? I don't know if I'd want them to. To be I, honest, yeah, seriously, it, it is it's terrifying. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I know I know you hate Gotham, but I I still think Gotham gave us some great Joker stories, uh, just to just to tease us a little with with origins and stuff. Um, if you have a chance, go back and watch the, that season where they did that. It, it was either it was really good. Sorry, I just I can't, sorry, I just can't get past Fish Mooney. May I frame something? Um, yes, the Joker is to be. Uh, the scariest type of villain for its time. So in 66, the scariest thing you could have is a robber. Come, I'm getting your money. Bang, bang. Um, in uh, 89, it was somebody who was, you know, a villain and will definitely kill just at random with like uh, Jack's performance. In... Uh, and then we have Heath coming in as if he were the terrorist, and that's how he was, you know, portrayed. And then we have Gangster Joker, and gangst and gang violence was a thing in and around kind of Suicide Squad, maybe. But now we have a product of the system, and that being Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix, and that is that's what you know society is very worried about that right now. Right. So that's like a mirror reflecting our greatest fears. And in most of those cases, I mean, like you could throw Suicide Squad against me and that's fine. Go ahead. Oh, no, I lose Suicide Squad. <laughs> but yeah, I think that tracks across the board. I I would agree that, that that's a good way to kind of frame them up because... Um, they kind of fit those like if you look at 2008 was a time of you know 
you know, the fear of outside threats from, you know, other countries and, you know, the, in the United States, it was a big, uh, big, big focus at that time for, you know, fighting, fighting terrorism and outside threats. And you have the Joker being representative of a terrorist almost in that movie. So yeah, I would definitely agree with that. What I wanted to do, though, is shift a little bit away from the comparison of the Jokers, you know, who performed better. And I kind of want to ask just a silly question okay. about who you, guys, who you guys think had the best laugh. Like, who who nails the laugh for you when you think of the Joker and his iconic laughter? What What's that sound like? Oh, that's the, for me, that's Nicholson. I love Nicholson's laugh. Really? Oh, yeah? Yeah, I, I, I think for from from a because I grew up with Adam West Batman, right? I I don't know about you guys, I, Luke. You, you would probably be the same, right? Adam West Batman is what you kind of grew up with, of course. And, and Nicholson's Batman kind of was so uh, Nicholson's Joker was so close to Caesar's that and the the Joker laughter that we got on uh, on the cartoons that we grew up with in the in the early nineties, uh, right? Right there, that's that's the answer. That's yeah, the answer. Right? So like, <laughs> it's, it's Hamill. It's Hamill. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Hamill. It's not. It's not anybody it's not. else. It's Hamill. He's got the yeah, laugh. Exactly. I, but like, I mean, we can't. We won't ever see Hamill in a movie as the Joker. You know what I mean? Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Oh. Oh and yeah. Return of the Joker. And Return of the Joker. Return of the Joker. And uh, if you want to get into direct-to-video, I mean the Killing Joke. Uh, so yeah, Hamill. That's the the laugh is Hamill for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so I I was rewatching this movie again today, and um, I was thinking that same question. And it's when we first get his laugh. Um, it's the second scene. It's actually the second scene right after the opening credits. Um, he's just having a maniacal laughter session, a um, breakdown with his um, right after the title, right? Yeah, right after the title yeah. screen. Dude, and, oh, man. and I was watching a couple of interviews with uh, Todd Phillips and Joaquin, and they were saying that they were trying to nail down the laugh as something that caused him physical pain. Um, and and then in the movie, the the, the laugh is actually something of uh, of like a like a signifier. Of like something that's not going according to plan. So, for example, when the um, you know when the mother tells him to stop messing around with her kid, we the audience watch that scene and we see that you know well he wasn't, you know she was just trying to make the kid laugh. But then his 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 problem with confrontation or his problem with being uh, with being you know, wrongfully accused kind of comes out in that laughter. But where I think it, it, for me, where it stood out a bit more is actually right after Randall gives him the gun and Hoyt calls him into the office, Randall cracks a joke with, uh, with Gary saying, Hey, um, you know, I've always wondered, what do you people call is, is miniature golf, just regular golf for people like you. And then Arthur, yeah, it was a pretty, it was a pretty funny joke. But then Arthur's laughing. He laughs as he exits that room, and he's in the hallway walking to Hoyt's office, and he's just carrying on the laugh. But it's it's almost so perfectly performed or perfectly like practiced that 
it just seems like in that moment that was a that was, that was a genuine laugh that wasn't a laugh that came about his fear or his condition so uh, here yes. here so i've given that a bunch of thought i'm sorry to jump in there but i've given that a bunch of thought and he only laughs when people are being at their shittiest He's seeing the truth of each person and that he like firmly believes that the world is a shitty place and people have lost the ability to be good. And so whenever he sees that and it's backed up, he starts laughing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. Like when that lady's like stop bothering my son, he yeah. starts bursting out laughing. Like I wasn't trying to do anything. Like this why are you being so crappy to me? Yeah, <laughs> I I wish this movie came out when I was still taking public transit, because oh. if it did, like I've had countless interactions with that uh, with that one you know sassy, heavier set woman in the bus. <laughs> I mean, you know, she's always bothering her son. Yeah, Why are you the know, sassy ones always heavier set. I I don't know, but like it's always like you know. <laughs> It's always the same, you know. If I was to describe it, it'd always be the same person that that would get it get on my case. And like, if I've seen this movie before, I would have totally just laughed. I would have freaked the shit out of these women, um, in in the sense of just losing my mind, just laughing. Um, yeah. But I I thought that was hilarious. Like uh, they they weren't afraid to do it. It it's always the same on public transit. It's always uh, it's always that stereotype. Yeah. <laughs> I will say I will say who I think has the worst of the laughs and unfortunately that's going to fall on Leto. Um just because I didn't think it was at all like a genuine, you know, joker laugh. I think it was very forced. It almost sounds very forced when he when he's doing it. And um for me I think probably the best. I'm going to I'm going to agree with Luke. I think Mark Hamill has, you know, imprinted the rest of my life what the Joker sounds like when he's laughing. And he's just had he hears- most time. He's had the most time. Yeah. Like how many episodes, how many movies, da 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 da. Rank them, guys. Rank the laughs. So for me, it's going to be Hamill, number one. Uh, Joaquin, number two. Heath, number three. Um, Nicholson, number four. Uh, Caesar, number five. And we're going to go with um, Leto number six. But I forgot John DiMaggio played the Joker in uh, The Red Hood. So we're going to put him before Leto. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He did another, like, he did it in a couple of other movies, too. He had, like, did- more of a bass tone to his Joker. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who played the Joker in uh, Batman Ninja? Um... I don't know actually. Whoever did that, whoever did that, got the did the did Hamill justice with that laugh. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he did. Uh, And uh, you know, you know what's sad? I've probably watched Suicide Squad maybe like four or five times, and I've seen Batman Joker twice and fell asleep during both of uh, both times that I watched it. But I can remember that laugh better than Jared Leto's laugh. I don't even remember him laughing. I, here, here's a comparison. Uh, the father from Back to the Future is very much uh, Jared Leto's laugh. 
man. Yeah, that was, that was what it was. It's terrible. Uh, can, can, it was, uh, can, we, can, can I say Tony that uh, seeing seeing this movie so far, I'm convinced that uh, Gerald, Jared Leto, or not Jared Leto, fuck, Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix can uh, can play Roger Federer if they do a biopic about Roger Federer. Hey? I shit you not, guys. Put Walking Phoenix's Joker next to next to uh, Roger Federer. They are exactly the same person. If you, you haven't done it, you've got to do it. it it's, <laughs> once you see it, man, you're either going to... Tennis players, if you're, if you're a tennis player and you're listening to this and you see this, you will be scared shitless the next time you see Federer across the court from you. Okay. So, <laughs> let's pitch the Federer movie to Universal. <laughs> We've got a star attached already. Hot off Joker is going to play Roger Federer. Dude, he just has to put on like ten pounds. That's it. He's already That's lost fifty two for this movie. He just got to put on ten. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second because he was a lot of skinny and a lot of like half naked most of the movie. Yeah, did, I mean, did anybody not see the uh, the bait and switch of his love interest coming? I did not oh. see it coming the first time. No way, you didn't. No, okay, so I'll, I'll, let me explain. So when I watched, when I was watching this movie the first time, um, just because, remember, I'm going in with a, with a couple of expectations. Overall, to be honest with you guys, the first time I heard this movie was being made, I didn't want to go see it because I heard that they were doing an origin story and my personal enjoyment of the Joker uh, from the comics is that he doesn't have an official origin story and also he does not have an official name. And when I found out that they were doing these things and they were going to give him a name and a backstory and all that stuff, and it's going to stand outside of the DCEU, I was off put by going to see it. So when I went to see it the first time, my expectations of anything were super low. But then while watching the movie and when that relationship kind of unfolds, I thought, this is kind of weird. And I don't know how I didn't see it coming because the the clues are all there. And you see the clues in the second the second viewing but for some reason i just wanted to believe during my first time watching the movie that's how bad things are for this character that i just wanted to believe that there was some good there was some hope that came out of you know his exposure to the society and that was this relationship that he found with this girl and then when when it started to reveal that she didn't know who he was i remember looking over and saying to um to david who, who i saw it with the first time and i was like this is dark this is really dark because it just shattered everything for me. Because I was like, that was his one grip, I think, on having like a some sort of normalcy. Um, which, when they took it away, I was just like, okay, yep, he's gonna go kill some people now. <laughs> but he didn't like just go kill people at random. He did so. He did it all in revenge. And the only the time that like so, when I listened to your first episode. Uh, and what we've talked about a little was, you know, when he 
and he did not become the Joker until he stood up on the cop car and reveled in all of the crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And killing the doctor at the end, that's Joker. Yeah. Or the Joker. That's the that's when I saw the switch. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't get it is perhaps one of my last lines of any movie. So that yeah, that's actually one of the last things I wanted to talk about today, which is, um, Jamath, I know you haven't even got to that point in the movie yet, so sorry for, for bringing this up. And um, again, spoiler warnings for anyone that's still listening. Obviously, we've revealed a bunch of stuff, but um, the ending. You know, what does the what does the ending mean for for you? And I'll just I'll just say a few quotes here. So the theme the theme throughout the movie is one of the songs here. That's life. Um, and then as he's singing the song to to the um, I guess the doctor at the end of the movie there and laughing about it and she's asking him to share the joke and he says you wouldn't get it there's a few rumors online right now that are circling saying that this whole movie might just be a hallucination or it might it might just be a story that this guy has told to this doctor and what do you guys think about like what was your what do you think the ending means um tying in all those things like the the theme of the movie or the song throughout the movie which is that's life um murray franklin says it a few times um and then when he tells the doctor you wouldn't get it are we to interpret that as this is not this whole thing is just a facade like this whole thing was was just one big story or joke even I think Luke might need to turn his screen back on. Um, I'm going to defer to Luke because um, I, I don't think I've seen enough to kind of make, make judgment there. But um, when I was watching it, scenes with the therapist or this, I guess that's the same doctor. I was I was kind of thinking about that. I'm like, is this? Are, am I seeing things that he's thinking in his head, or am I really getting flashbacks here? So I still, you know, watching the movie in full, I can come back to that. But right now, I can't really kind of comment. Yeah, on no. that yet. Yeah, fair enough. And I know that's probably a big reveal there for you at the end there. But it's left. No, it's it's okay. just left up to. It's left to interpretation. Like it's a huge. You know, kudos to Todd Phillips for even you know bringing bringing about so much topic to discuss with this movie. But I mean, Luke, Luke, if you're still there, if you want to weigh in, he might have. Yeah, he might have got disconnected here. I'm not too sure. We'll give it three seconds more, and if he doesn't return, we're gonna cut it. So, I mean, that was it. That was all that I really. Oh wait, oh, there we go. So I really had something good to say about this. So that's good. Um, so what I took away from that is the line that they keep using is some people get their kicks from stepping on others' dreams. Yes. <laughs> and that's where, that's where he stopped singing. And then he kills the doctor. And the doctor is doing something good. So somebody who's good wouldn't get the joke and wouldn't get that part of the song. They don't get their kicks from snapping on people's dreams. Yeah. So it's a dark movie. <laughs> like that sucks. Yeah. Well, that's that's one thing I would advise like anyone that's planning to go see this movie that hasn't seen it yet. 
one, why are you listening to this podcast? Two, this is not a comfortable Don't go on a first date. <laughs> Three, why are you on this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jamal. <laughs> okay, I just saw that Luke got disconnected there, but uh, we were ready to wrap up. Jamal, have you had any other, uh, any other comments, things you'd like to share? Um, now How... How is this Joker going to, or will, can this Joker be involved in Patman? Or sorry, the Patman. The Patman. I like that. I haven't heard that one yet. Um, so from what I understand, it is not going to tie into uh, the other movies. Um, it is definitely standalone. They already asked Todd Phillips whether or not he thought this is going to ever tie into, um, you know, ever even having an appearance of Batman in this movie. And he said, absolutely not. Um, so I think that's a pretty firm one. But, you know, the studios always get involved and, you know, sometimes it's not up to the director. So, I mean... It uh, it would have been nice to kind of see maybe at the end of the movie they kind of tee it up, but they sort of did by showing uh, you know showing Bruce Wayne's parents getting shot there in the alley. Um, I thought they didn't have to; they could have just implied it. But I don't know. WB probably wanted to make it absolutely clear that there's no uh, no loose ends in, in the creation of or the timeline like, of this movie. It, it, there there is kind of a big loose end there, right? Like the. the, the Joaquin's Joker is what, like in his late 30s in this movie? I would say, yeah, mid to late 30s for sure. And the Bruce Wayne that we were introduced to was probably like, what, 10? Uh, I would say, yeah, he's probably about 8 or 10 in that in that, in, in that age group. So we're saying that the Joker that the Batman goes up against is like a 40 to 50 year old man. Yeah, somewhere in that in that age group. But keep in mind, in in the um, Tim Burton Batman, the first one, I think there was a big age gap between. That's uh, true. Michael there was. There was. And, yeah. And I think so. I think uh, the age thing has always been a question. I think more people like the age group or the age uh, difference to be a small difference between the two of them, so that they're in the same yeah. age group almost. Um, myself personally, I'm in that. I'm in that. Uh, in that camp, but. I mean, I can see this kind of being like a prequel almost to to the Tim Burton Batman, just because it gives you a little bit of the you know the, the history of the Joker. But yeah. Okay, so yeah, yeah Luke I've... just messaged me that his battery died, so that is why we are we are short one man. But uh, I think we're good here. Do you have anything else to say? Nah, I'm good. All well, right. Listen, listen in next time. We got we got lots more lots more to talk about. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, the topics are going to be flowing through. Uh, anyone that's made it to this point of the podcast, thank you for sticking around. Thank you for listening to us ramble on. Uh, again, apologies for some of the uh, the technical errors there with the uh, the recording. I know it may not sound the clearest, but we are working on that. And if you'd like to follow us, we just launched our Twitter page. It's nerd underscore gab, or just search nerd gab. And uh, we will be launching our website and our social media platforms such as Instagram and Facebook later on for you guys to message us on. Uh, once again, my name is Anil. I've been your host, Jamath, Luke. If you're listening, still listening, thank you for uh, for joining in. And until next time. <laughs>